know if I can share with you, I think that when we look at that scripture, one of the things that I'm a little bit critical about over the last hundred years, is not in my notes, but, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that we need to throw out the rapture teaching, you know, Jesus is coming back tomorrow kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's a biblical theme, and I understand that it's a biblical theme, uh, but I can tell you today it's not a major biblical theme. And over the last 50 or 60 years, the revelation of the rapture and, the, you know, Jesus is coming back tomorrow uh, has really been a very sensational teaching. We have to be super careful about that because when you take that, well, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, so I don't have to train up Caden real well because that doesn't matter. You know, we can just let him grow up any old way because Jesus is going to come and get him by, the, by, you know, by a week Wednesday. We can make mistakes like that. How many of you know that? Exactly the same way that we can take a scripture like this where God says, no, I'm, you know, live for generations to come. So that when our lives are used, I'm building an understanding of the fact that my children and my grandchildren now, Olivia's here, but many more, I hope, Alex, Danielle. The, and so the, as we create that, we're recognizing that it's not about me anymore. It's not about all of those. I'm trying to create a, a distance that's going to be happening because of my children and their children and their children and their children many times to come. Sometimes we can get into this, I mean, and Jesus is going to come back in one of the generations, of course, but sometimes we cannot hedge our bets properly. We can put all of our money into this, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, run our credit cards up, and then, you know, that didn't go well last time we tried it, so I'm just cautioning you, don't live like that. Instead, the Bible is a generational book. It starts off by talking, even when it introduces Jesus as a person, they introduced Jesus several times by starting off with his genealogy, showing who he is as the generations of people for thousands of years have been building the momentum that finally popped out Jesus, right? Those people living for a generational cause have produced an extraordinary strength, saved the world, produced an extraordinary person and an extraordinary life-changing event that we now know as Christianity and the great things that have been accomplished through that. Amen? Okay, so here we are on my notes. As, as Tina just mentioned, uh, we had a, a good few days with, with the Rossi family. As many of you know, uh, Carlo Alberto Rossi passed on to glory just a few days ago. And so we were celebrating together yesterday as a family, uh, certainly celebrating his life and celebrating... Uh, the good things that he has given to us. And so thank you for the love that you... Ooh, boys, look at you. Thank you for all the love, by the way, that uh, you know, we were talking so much about that. Certainly for Irma, she's not uh, my mother-in-law. She's not here in service today, but certainly here in spirit, as you all know her. Uh, but the strength that she felt and the children felt and all the grandchildren and all that uh, was so powerful as uh, you know, people just cared. And, you know, there's not much you can say or do at this point, uh, but just your love and your smiles and your well wishes and all that were so appreciated. And so many of you, how many of you have watched Blacklist? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, they're all the rest of you, a bunch of liars. <laughs> Are we allowed to watch television? So anyways, I'm, I'm going to give you a quote today. It's going to reveal to you that I, in fact, do watch Blacklist. Not often, but I do watch it. Um, and one of the quotes, it's maybe the reason I watched the whole program, it's a bit long to just get one quote, but one of the quotes that Red Reddington, who is the main character of The Blacklist, uh, made was, was this. He was talking to this one other character in the story, and he said to this person, wisdom is wasted on the young. I mean, excuse me, youth is wasted on the young, 
and wisdom often on the aged. And what was he really talking about? He was talking about that we have got this habit in our culture of not listening to old people. It's kind of like, you know, you get old, all you young people, you know, what you want to do is find the cool happening guy who's got something flashy and cool to say on YouTube, maybe with some extra special features that are created by, and we think there's something so valuable about, and I'm saying not valuable about that, but can I tell you something? Pastor Alex and I were talking about this the other day, that our world has changed in just so dramatically over the last hundred, even hundred years, goodness sakes, when I went to university in 1980 something or other, uh, we were just, computers were just coming on the scene. Yep. And the way the world has dramatically changed back then, back then there was one newscaster, his name was Walter Cronkite. <laughs> and Walter Cronkite's voice, Walter's opinion mattered so extraordinarily because there was only one opinion. And when you turn the news on, he was the only person talking. Do you remember Irv Weinstein from Channel 7 News? How many of you are old enough to remember? See, there's just one person. Now, it's not like that anymore. And what we have to recognize is that there are so many opinions. Opinions have become valueless. How many of you, do, how many of you know the de, how you determine what the value of something is? You know, if I have... Let's, what do I have? I have these glasses. I'll give you that an example. These glasses, I think, are $11 or something like that. China. Thank you very much for China. Little things that we benefit. But you know, how many of you know that if, you, if, uh, if these were the last pair of glasses on the planet, they'd be worth a lot more than $11. They'd be worth millions of dollars, right? So the rarity of something determines the value of that thing. So there was a season when... <coughs> Having only one opinion that was being broadcast around the world made that opinion of a, a, extraordinary value. And everybody listened. It's the way your soul understands things. When there's a plethora, just a, a, you know, like we have today with, with YouTube and, and dip, 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 of all the things that we have for everybody to share their opinion, which everybody thinks is like freakishly in value for just, I got to get this on video. It's so, nobody's listening hardly anymore. I hate to tell you. They'll watch your video. They think you're cute. That's awesome. But then as soon as your video ends, guess what happens? <clears throat> Somebody else's video starts. And so nobody is, this is the way the world is right now that we have to deal with is that, that opinions mean nothing. Most people, you get to talk to these younger generation, I'll talk to you a little bit, maybe you millennials. So you know what, you know what their line is? I'm just going to be me. <laughs> what they're really saying is, I don't want to hear your opinion because I hear opinions 24 hours, ding, 24, ding, 24, ding, 24, ding, 24 hours a day, I'm hearing somebody's opinion. And it's just like your brain just becomes, it's like, every, how many of you know when your mom yells at you? Yeah. After a while, you stop listening, <laughs> right? Don't, don't, don't nod right now if your mom is here. Why? Even though it's loud and aggressive, your mind just turns it out. What Red Reddington said was, youth is wasted on the young. Because young people don't realize what a value they have until they start getting creaky this and creaky that about how valuable the energy and the strength and the vision and all that is in their lives. That's really what the quote is about. Red added the other half of it saying, wisdom oft, uh, often is wasted on the aged. 
because we, have, we don't realize that the people that we should be listening to, like intently listening to, are the people in the old age homes. The people that we go, yeah, they don't count anymore. They're out. See, they're the ones that can tell us, don't do that. You know how you live in your life? Don't do that. You think that's valuable? It's not. You think this matters? It doesn't. And so what I like to do, I've done this several times now, when people who I know very personally, as you know, I'm very, very close to the Rossi family. They're like almost as, as close as my own family to me, even more so sometimes because my family is a bit more global uh, geographically. And so uh, what I like to do is I like to have a, a, a time that we can share and we can listen to Carl's voice. As if he were to be yelling, I'm sure he is yelling, I'm sure, positive, as a matter of fact, <laughs> that he's yelling us now, trying to talk to us, trying to tell us some things that mean, are very meaningful to him. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to take today's service and just share a couple of the things that, that uh, might benefit us from his life. And when Captain Kirk comes a thousand years from now, this will be on video, and we'll be able to still be appreciating Carl's life and the things that that he gave to us as his family. And he would say that about us, that we are all his family. He loves us very much. The number one thing I would tell you that Carl said was very important is that family is the only legacy that we leave. Many of you were, who, were, who were with us at, at, the, at the proceedings, the, the, the funeral home in the last few days, you know that, uh, one, the, we, we packed the place out just ourselves, right? We didn't really need any of you to come. We were busy all, all amongst ourselves. Because his family is so large, not only is his family large, uh, but very unified. Mm -hmm. And we're all in there, and we have the, you know, we, Jenny is, of course, the, 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 bless the Lord for Jenny. Thank you, Lord. She was able to keep us all in line. That's not an easy job, so we please play, continue to pray for her. <laughs> but how, how great the family was, and I think so many times throughout the, the few days of events that we had, the comments of, wow, this is an amazing family, just kept coming to us and coming to us, coming to us, coming to us, coming to us. Can I tell you something? When we visited with him, he was, as many of you know, he was, you know, several years in, you know, a, in sort of a neurodegeneration kind of a process. And uh, the last year in the nursing home, you know, we didn't bring his boat to him. We didn't bring his Corvettes. We didn't bring his Z4. We didn't bring his money. We didn't show him his, his retirement plan. We didn't do any of that. What we did is we just sat, sat around as a family and we just loved him. And this constant flow for him through those many years, uh, the constant flow of family around him all the time that we have to, on purpose, nurture. His, his, his screaming right now to all of us. If there's stuff going on in your family that you need to fix, you need to fix it. Don't, don't you know, you, uh, you, it wasn't your fault. Don't worry about that. Go fix it. Because it matters. It matters to God what family you got into. It matters to God that, that we have these unified families that are this extraordinary lighthouse, this extraordinary metaphor of the goodness of God being expressed through our lives. So whatever it takes, Carl would tell you. He'd tell you. If he could walk through those doors right now, he'd tell you. Fix it. At all costs, fix it. Number two is what I'd like to share with you uh, about his, lives, his life is that don't let the facts get in the way of your, of your dreams. He was, he was famous for this. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about his life. Don't let the facts get in the way 
of your dreams. Carl was born in 1938. 1938 was a couple of years before the Second World War started. He was born in Italy. So within a few years of Carl's birth, the Nazis had, whatever, Italy had capitulated to the Nazis. And you could imagine what the world would have been like when Carl came into it. And imagine what was inside of his mind, what was his reality, what was his truth at this season. Now, he went from 1939, as you know, 1946. Those were the years of great difficulty in any of the Mediterranean areas uh, simply because of all the stuff that was going on with the Second World War. You could imagine his paradigm. He was not born to a wealthy family. He was born just kind of like regular people are born into. And Carl and his father, who is Grandpa, we know him as Grandpa, it's kind of a maybe addiction thing. Grandpa is Carl, Grandpa is his father. And so Grandpa and his father, Grandpa and his father, Grandpa, help. There had to be, it's kind of like what happens if you try to speak Italian, you know, all the words kind of run together. Somehow they understand what you're saying. They decided that they were going to get on a boat and they were going to come across to this very, very, very strange place. You know what can empower somebody to do something like that? Vision does that. Vision is the, you know, when we see things like discipline and we see things like commitment and we see things like sacrifice, we use a bunch of these words to describe something that in fact is all about vision. When you have a vision for something, you're committed to that thing. When you have a vision for something, you're sacrificed, you'll be committed, you'll, you'll give to it, you'll persevere with it. All of these kind of really great words that we say, boy, if only I could be disciplined, only I could persevere, if only I could be focused, only I could be committed. You know, all of those words are actually the external evidence of a vision on the inside of you, a purpose, a something that you see on the inside of you. As we are in this part of the series now, you know that there are three major things I'm going to talk about that say, what are the keys to being able to live the New Testament life successfully? The first one of those was that you're able to control your thoughts and emotions. The second one, which is dramatically demonstrated by Carl's life, is that you must be able to see something different in tomorrow than you experienced in yesterday. You have to have that ability, develop that ability in your mind to see a world differently than the world that you know. Imagine how this is metaphorically expressed in a life like Carl's life. Carl came here when they, as many of you know, and many of you are blessed by them, Ontario Bakery, they had this enormously successful business here in Fort Erie, probably at one time one of the two or three main businesses here in Fort Erie. They developed this huge network of distribution throughout the Buffalo and Western New York areas. They were, their product, they would tell many times the stories of they would pack up these enormous vans full of uh, bread and buns and goopty-doopty, things like that. And boy, they would be, they'd drive into the parking lot at the tops or the super duper or the, remember all these words of these businesses, be quicks and all that stuff. They'd drive into the parking lot and there would be a line of people waiting in the parking lot to get the bread right out of the back of the truck. That's how successful a business Carl built. Not only successful in that area, but successful in real estate and all different kinds of things that he went on to do as a result of that. All because Carl could see, you know, maybe all he was looking at was a, was a piece of dirt ground. But when Carl looked at that ground, he could see something else when he looked at it. 
he could see that when he came to Canada, the land of opportunity, even though he left a place that was, you know, for all of the intense part of his life, was occupied by the Nazis, capitulated by their government, and all of these things were opportunity. There just wasn't stuff like that going on when he was raised. The place where he came up, it was just his world wasn't like that. He was somehow, he had this gift of being able to see in tomorrow, see in emptiness, something that was full. Can I tell you something? That gift would be a gift that if I would ask him to, he would impart that into every single one of us in our ability then to take hold of the things God has said to us. Take hold of the vision and the dream that you have in your heart and say, I'm not going to get interrupted in my process here because of some, some immaterial facts. You know, Carl was famous for this, you know, because I was a bit more of an intellectual kind of a person. So he and I would get into uh, discussions, thank you, about different things. But Carl, and, and you know, I'd talk about the fact and the fact and the fact, and Carl always wanted to talk about something higher than that. He's a, he wasn't a lot interrupted by whether you think you can or you think you can't. He was talking about, no, we got to go get this done. We got to go build this. We got to go create this. He had the ability on the inside of him to see things that other people couldn't see. He could see abundance where other people only saw barren ground. Uh, listen to this. Facts are just the remnants of what we used to believe. They are the things left behind by previous generations. And we are not destined to live within those confines, but to honor those who laid them by standing on them and reaching to even higher things. Being able to see a solution to a problem or simply say everything is going to be okay. When you are facing the impossible and, and, and especially when that thing that you're facing is impossible, is important to you. Like it's a life or death situation. Can you still say God has a solution, that there is a way? I wrote this down this morning. The depth of your vision is evidenced by your sacrifice and commitment to do whatever it takes to see it manifested. Vision is what purifies, excuse me, vision is what pushes you through and overcomes the quit. Carl was a man who would say, you know what, vision is everything. If you just keep going, if you just keep pushing, if you just build and refuse to bow your knee to any obstacle, refuse to bow your knee to any opposition that is telling you that your dream cannot come to pass. The third thing I think that he would say to us, or certainly his life would say to us, is don't fear the inevitable. I'm just listening to Livy back there. Don't fear the inevitable. Conquer the impossible. His life was a demonstration of that. He would tell you today, probably I'm certainly having gone through the process only recently in himself, you know, there's so much of this fear of death that goes on in our culture. You know, can I tell you something? We all have a date with that one. That's all on everybody's calendar. I know that you, you know, believe in the rapture if you want, but let me tell you, prepare to go the other way. Don't prepare like, okay, let's, you know, let's build images on the inside of us or tragic ways that we can, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that God intentionally put an end to the years of a man's life. Do you know why he did that? He did that because where we go is a lot better than the toilet that we live in right now. 
And he's saying, you know what, I'm going to get you to do this. I'm going to get you to serve in this area. I'm going to get you to use this life of servanthood and sowing and get, you know, get all the seed in the ground that you possibly can in the life that you're here. But don't be so preoccupied with death that you forget to live. We have to become those people, those eternal people that realize that we have a season on this planet to do the impossible. We have to conquer the boundaries that we have all around us all the time. That's what we're here for. We're not just here to suck oxygen for a few, a few, for a few days and then go off and go to heaven. We're here to, to use the gifts and abilities that God put into our lives in such a responsible and valuable way to the world around us that when we leave, we leave the world transformed by our lives. The way that we do that is we learn how to conquer the impossible. Everything that you think is possible in your life today was impossible in somebody else's life in a generation gone past. And all that we're doing as we step into it is we rise up onto the shoulders of those other people. And now it's our job to push the ceiling even higher so that other people can come belong to us and stand on our hands. And we keep pushing life ahead of pushing life and generation and the ways of humanity forward in such a way that they are advancing the ways of God and the things of God, not church and all, yes, church, but that's not all that God is talking about. God's talking about culture. He's talking about society. He's talking about the dream and vision that each one of us have on the inside of our lives. Carl was never a priest. He was never a minister, but Carl took hold of the thing that God gave him, took hold of that entrepreneurial business building, conquering warrior heart that God put on the inside of him, and he used that to get done the things that God had called him to do. And when he was done, he was happy, surrounded by his family to be able to go off and meet his maker and get set forth on the next journey that God had for him when he left this place. Can I tell you something? You need to stop the fear of death. Some people don't even like when I use that word, as if it means anything to us as Christians. It doesn't mean anything. Any more than if I told you, you know, I'm going to go down to Pennsylvania for a week and I'll be back on Saturday. You'd go, oh, I'm going to miss you, Pastor Ian, but I'll see you on Saturday. You'd be okay, right? That's all this experience is for us. It's just a season, a slight, very temporary season of separation between us as God gets us all eventually all back together again on the other side and assembles us back together, lifts our hands up so we can continue to praise God for all eternity for all the good things that he's done. Can we all celebrate as we close today's service? Can we all celebrate the life of Carl Alberto Rossi as he speaks to us from from heaven, as he speaks to us with the, the evidence of his life and his purpose and the things that he would say as a gray haired old man looking back at all of us young bucks and saying, here, here's how I need you to focus your life. Here's what I need you to make important. Here's what I've learned in my life. As you can look at the fruit of my life, Carl speaking, and take hold of that fruit, that's the stuff we should be listening to, by the way. Forget about all the opinions of people whose fruit we don't even know anything about. And instead, we take hold of the people whose lives have produced fruit and say, okay, I'm going to listen to that person because I want to have the fruit that that person had. That's how we should be doing it. In a world where opinions are of zero value, we need to to create the heroes. Can I tell you, this is a day for the kingdom of God to rise up as heroes in the earth, for your life and the the lives of your family, the lives of your children, to rise up and declare that that you're one of those heroes in the earth today and that people can look to your life, they can look to your fruit, they can look to your wisdom, they can look to your God, those things which you have freely received 
and be in that place where you're ready to freely give to that person to empower your life and the vision and destiny of your life to be planted as a hero's life in front of those that are coming up behind you. The people would say, I'm going to listen to that person because I want their fruit. Put your hand over your heart and say this with me. Say, Lord, thank you for the example of these old ones around us who can teach us from the fruit of their years, from the fruit of their decisions. And they can point us in the right direction because our ears are tuned to them to hear from their lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.